It's the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, Episode 17. Do you think you can avoid using context for your tasks? Think again. You've tried using context for your tasks in the past, perhaps following the advice of getting things done, GTD. The idea was a sound one, and they made a positive contribution. But as time went on, the technique seemed to lose its potency. Question is, why? And did this experience imply that you needed to stop using them altogether? This may not make sense because when you applied context, to a raw list of tasks in a to-do list. It did make things better. You tried it in the past and it worked. So is the idea a bad one? In this solo episode, we take a deep dive into the research behind context done by us here at Two Time Labs and Schedule U. I'll share some of my latest thinking which shows why contexts are unavoidable and why you need to move way past the ones suggested by getting things done as published in 2001. Welcome to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. Welcome back. And just in case this may be your first time listening to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, Let me tell you how this is a little bit different from the usual podcast. First is that we're going to define a problem and sort of shake the problem up, look at it from all sides, tear it apart, put it back together if we can. And that'll take up the first part of the show. Then we'll switch over to looking for solutions. And as we look forward to solutions, we'll take take some, um, some brainstorming basically to look at all the different ways in which the problem could actually be solved. It's, so this is a problem-solving episode. It's not just me kind of just talking from top of my head. We're looking to solve a particular problem. I'm going to be sharing some of the best ideas that I've come up with either myself or I've heard from others or I've developed with others through working here at Two Time Labs. But let's start off with a story. So Kamara is a hard-working factory manager and she's a single mom of two kids. She lives a demanding life and executing the promises she makes herself to herself is a very big deal, especially when it comes to each task she assigns herself. Doing them all is a big deal for her, all. Ever since high school, she's been a productivity nut who strives for perfection and for her perfection means doing them all. Not some, all. 10 years ago, she discovered getting things done by David Allen. She immediately began using context, adding a little extra information to each task on her list. It helped her know when she had what she needed to do to do each task. As a frequent traveler at the time, it really helped her be productive on flights, putting downtime to valuable use. So she had a context called at on a flight, for example. However, things have changed and the original context she used no longer work. With internet access on airplanes and a smartphone by her side or in her purse, she has become a mobile office of one person. As such, the original idea doesn't work. 
that context should have something to do with your physical location or the availability of certain equipment like a computer. Everything she reads says that she should shed 2001 version of GTD style context, but she's not sure what should replace them. She's been doing some reading. You know, she's been on Reddit, she's been on the GTD forums, she's been on, on Twitter. People suggest all kinds of replacement techniques. But will they give her the kind of benefits she originally had? After all, going back to a single list of tasks won't work, right? Or, or will it? So this is a juicy problem that faces everyone who has some kind of background or experience using Getting Things Done, GTD by David Allen. Because in that book, he was very explicit about using contexts, how to use them, which ones to use, and while he's moderated his advice over the years, the original advice is the one that you hear people talking about, um, relating to when they are talking about using contexts with respect to task management. So if you're brand new to the idea, it's a simple one. It's that you, for each task, you add a context, which is a place or some equipment used to get that job, get that task done. And you add that in your task management system. Straightforward idea. But those who have used the idea for the last 20 years still want to make progress, but they found that the original advice no longer works the way it should, just like Camaro. So chances are, if you're listening to this episode, you know you saw the title and you heard the introduction and you're still listening, you're probably someone who, who wants to make progress in your task management. You want to get better. And getting better could mean that you want to be able to manage more tasks effectively. Or it could mean you want to avoid the problems or projects that happen when the number of projects you have multiplies. So you want to avoid the errors that occur when your tasks kind of explode. So it could be that projects go up, responsibilities go up, tasks multiply, whatever it is, but they all involve giving you more work. And some of the problems that happen when the number of tasks you're trying to manage goes up is that tasks get lost in the mix. Um, you, you, you lose track of them and you basically forget to do them. Or you do them later than you need to, so you miss deadlines. Then has a knock-on effect on projects or other activities. Your reputation takes a hit because people come to rely on you at a certain level but above that level you're not the person that they're going to call because that's when things fall apart there's the stress of feeling as if there are more tasks that you have than you can manage and that can cause sleepless nights feeling of feelings of overwhelm waking up in the middle of the night all of a sudden going oh no and remembering some task that you had committed to yourself to do but you had forgotten and you know, it now creates a problem. Another problem is, is that of being distracted. When you're trying to focus on, a, on getting a, a particular project done 
or an activity completed, your mind has strayed to juggling or thinking about all the tasks that you're not doing and whether or not you'll ever do them or whether or not you'll make a hash of them because they'll be lost or late. And then there's multitasking, which is a, I guess a form of distraction where you try to manage your task load by simultaneously doing different tasks at the same time. So these are all the problems that we experience, we humans, when we have this, this period in our life when the number of tasks goes up. So back to what I said before, you're listening to this because you either want to get rid of some problems or you want to improve your performance and continue growing as a productive individual. So what this kind of, you know, that's the external manifestation of it. But inside, we could feel when we're caught in these positions, uh, frustrated, confused in particular around context because we don't know what to do. There's no book. You know, David Allen hasn't said, okay, when, ta- when context don't work, here's what you do. Nobody has really said that. Um, you hear contradictory advice if you go to the different sources that I mentioned. People say to do different things. But you really want a, a, a logical solution. Context, when you read the book, Getting Things Done, or you heard the idea for the first time, that made logical sense, right? Now you want another layer of logical sense that you can apply to this more advanced problem. And you want it to be at the level of rigor that the original solution was presented. Okay. I mentioned that if the problem continues, then chances are people start to relate to you differently. That you're good at this level, but above that level. Mm-mm. But deep down, you feel as if there needs to be an explanation to this. Because you're not the only person in the world, obviously who has a growing task load or a commitment to get better or to make improvements. You're not the only person. Why isn't there just a simple, plain explanation of how one needs to use or not use context when you find yourself in one of these two situations? Well, if there's a villain in all this, I would say that that there's just no lack of research and a lack of consensus because there's a lack of research we tend to relate and this is even many of the experts to task management as if it's a one level skill but if you've been around the block for a while you know that the way your 11 year old manages her tasks is not the way you do as a 45 year old and it's not just because of a difference in age there's something about the way that you have scaled your task management that she doesn't need to. She only has one piece of homework per week. So she has one task to remember or per day. She has one task to remember per day. That's very different from your world. So the notion that a method of task management that works at one level, 11 years old, doesn't work at 45, that idea lacks research and that's that's the core of what we're going to be talking about today so we're going to be tackling that lack of knowledge with some notions that perhaps should help so you know who wants to be stuck who wants to be you know 
kind of not having a bright future to look forward to in terms of task management. Who wants to have same old, same old? But most people tend to stick with what they know. On the one hand, they try to you know, double up, double down on their GTD implementation. They think, okay, I must have made a mistake somewhere. Let me try context harder. It's one approach. Another approach is to say, you know what? Context don't work, throw them out the window and I'm not gonna use them any at all. It's another approach. And yet a third approach is to say, okay, well, the original context in the books don't work. The book doesn't work, don't work. But let me try some new new ones. And here they might look for tags. So in this podcast, I'm going to interchangeably use the word context and tasks. Because a context is just a particular kind of task if we're going to use a GTD language. So I'm going to use the word tasks more frequently. I'm sorry, tags more frequently. And the fact is, the, the reason why we're even having this discussion 20 years after GTD was written is because the original problem of tagging was never tackled in the book and hasn't been tackled by any GTD guru since then. Because of that, the solutions all tend to be kind of after the fact-ish. They just don't go to the source of the issue. And today we're going to try to get to the actual source. And part of that getting to the source is acknowledging that scale is a huge problem. Like I said before, managing one task is not like managing a hundred, it's not like managing a thousand. Okay? So why should you care? Well, maybe you've listened this long because you have a sense that life isn't stopping anytime soon. Unless you're tending to go to retirement and you're going to see the number of tasks drop off. That you, if you're not there yet, that chances are the number of tasks that you're trying to manage is going to go up. And part of my research shows that that's to be expected. Why? Because if you have even a little bit of type A tendencies, your tendency is to push the limits on your task management. So your ambitions cause you to want to manage more tasks. And as you push, you create the problems that you're experiencing. So GTD is perfect for a certain number of tasks. And what you've done, and I certainly did, was push the envelope to see, okay, how, how can I get to the next level? And it's not like you're trying to break GTD or test it. It's not about nothing to do with GTD. It's just a natural human tendency. If you have at least a little bit of type A ambition to want more from life, to want to be able to accomplish more. And as you do so, you, 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 you press the limits. And those limits are what we'll discover in this conversation because those limits are what prevent you from scaling freely. Okay. So hopefully you leave here with a bit of a roadmap that you can say, okay, when I listen to the, to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast episode 17 and I got a clue as to the kind of how I need to develop myself in the future. I can actually see some hope, some light at the end of the tunnel. Because I guess that's what we're heading for, some light at the end of the tunnel. Great. <laughs> Great. So if you can relate to this problem um, of 
trying to get some place that's either of greater scale or fewer problems, fewer issues when task volume increases. I'll tell you, I know this from, from personal personal um, experience. And you may have heard before that I've shared the, the story of how when I moved back to Jamaica from the, living in the United States, I lived in the United States for 21 years, um, I, someone who zigzagged between the countries, but came back here in 2005 as an older adult and had already been teaching time management programs and figured I knew a thing or two and found myself floundering because I had to manage way more tasks in an unfamiliar, unreliable environment than I ever had to before. And I tried, gave up the approach I was using, which involved time blocking. Didn't have the name, didn't have that name on it, but that was what I had been teaching and I'd been involved in and I believed in. Figured out there was something wrong with it. Picked up GTD and said, well, let me try that. It immediately made things much worse. And months, a year later, switched back to time blocking. Sorted out the challenges of using that approach in this new environment. But in retrospect, I really just didn't know what I was doing. I was just jumping around. Why? Because I had no idea what the underlying dynamic behind task management was. I had no idea what tagging even meant. I was just jumping around from one system to another. So if that relates to you, you know, you may have heard of other systems, other kind of explanations for what you should do. Other people proposing different habits or software or routines or tools you should use. And as you look at them or devices, maybe you switch from Apple to Windows or Android, as you look at them, you kind of scratch your head and you're like, you know, it's a bewildering sort of um, set of choices. And hopefully we'll be able to cut through some of that clutter in this conversation. So let's go all the way back to the beginning as we switch over now into solutions. And I want to share some research that I did when I wrote my book, Perfect Time-Based Productivity, and I'll drop the link in the show notes published in 2005, the second edition. And in that book, I defined something called a task. Sorry, something called a time demand. (laughs) And why did I develop it? Well, I found myself needing to have this concept as I was delivering my trainings. I delivered training between 2008 and 2015. Well, actually up until now, but up until the time I wrote my book, I was gathering data from my trainees Um, the self-assessments that they were doing in the class. But I needed this concept in order to give them a picture of what they were already doing. So a time demand is a kind of a task, but it's the kind of task in which you have made an individual internal commitment to complete a task in the future. So it's that kind of promise you make to yourself kind of task. So there are other tasks that exist in which somebody gives a task to you. The, this one is the kind that you give to yourself. Okay. It also happens to be a psychological object. So what, what is that? So if you care to do any research on this, the idea was coined by Kurt Danziger, a psychological researcher. 
and he separated physical objects from psychological objects. So a physical object, of course, is just like a pencil, right? Physical object. Psychological object is just what it sounds like, something that you create in your mind. So a digital object is also one that we study here at Two Time Labs. That's one that's created with bits and bytes on a, a computing device. But a psychological object, the, the, the reason you create a psychological object is because it allows you to be more effective, more efficient. It allows you to have conversations where you can combine psychological objects. And certainly when we talk about task management, we're combining lots of different concepts around task management. But a time demand is the kind of psychological object you create when you make a promise to yourself to complete a task in the future. The benefit of creating a time demand is that you can now manipulate it. It's a, a, the way you manipulate a pencil in the physical world. In the psychological world, you can create a time demand as a psychological object and know that it's creative. You can hold it in mind and manipulate it in order to complete some kind of objective that you have. But the origin, long before it's ever spoken to someone, long before it's ever put on paper, long before it's turned into a digital object, long before any of that happens, there is the creation of a psychological object, which I call a time demand. So there's lots of different, there's millions of psychological objects. A promise is a psychological object by itself. But the kind that we're going to focus on is called a time demand. Okay, So psychological objects have different properties than physical objects as i've implied you can't touch them um they don't they don't they're not subject to the five senses they require a whole other energy however to keep them in existence to to keep them alive whereas a physical object in this pencil doesn't take any energy on my part to keep it alive it's you know it's it's inert right um Biological object, I guess if I have a, if I had a dog, I would say, okay, the dog requires, maybe it is, that, that requires some energy to keep it alive. But physical objects don't require anything. Psychological objects require a whole lot of energy. And it has a, a, a ramification, it has implications for how we manage them. Because someone, time, someone teaches us the concept of time and time, by the way, is a psychological object. But we're taught this particular one about the ages of eight or nine. And we start to construct a world of time that's oriented around time. We start to make time demands when we're about age nine, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Um, I did a lot of research into the um, child psychology to figure this out, but we start to make time demands somewhere in our adolescence, and then we start to develop the habits and routines to manage time demands somewhere in, again, 10, 11, 12. Later on, we may even move from keeping our time demand as 
only psychological objects and then we start to write them on paper and when we write them on paper we now have a physical object so a person with a to-do list written on paper is a very different person than someone who just has a number of mental promises so we know that right and that's that's pretty clear from all task management research and all the books that you've read and your own personal experience right so at some point if you're somewhere near my age you went from having a mental list of mental promises to a list of physical physically written promises and probably you went from having a list of physically written promises on paper to a list of digitally written promises on a laptop or on a phone right so you started to manage digital objects which were related to these psychological objects right <laughs> so you did that and then you picked up GTD and GTD said capture everything in other words in our language translate a time demand a, a psychological object into either a physical object or a digital object okay and that's the way that you won't have to keep it in your mind and that way you can actually manipulate it more effectively right and David Allen says your mind is for creating and having ideas but not for holding them right it's the essence of that particular message but GTD goes further and says not only should you capture in these more reliable places but you should also add a context now what's the benefit of adding a context or adding in our words a tag well having a tag tagged task allows you to sort that task so now if you're looking at the list instead of looking at a list of tasks a full list you can look at a subset which has been sorted by that tag or that context and that allows you to be more effective right because if your system of tagging works then you could be more effective all right well let's let's talk about this this tagging business in in some more detail because there's more to it than see than than meets the eye because we're talking about psychological objects so when you create a time demand you automatically create a tag so the two happen at the same time all the way from when you were originally at you know started to create them you learned pretty on pretty early on that all tasks are not created equal that some have some this particular tags that go with them and some don't but they have different tags and that these tags actually these tags were created without you even knowing that you were doing them what do i mean by that well this is all stuff that we we we, we teach ourselves to do without really knowing and it's kind of amazing that we do this but when you create a time demand you also create with it a number of what i call implicit tags so what's an implicit tag well that's kind of like a hidden tag 
So imagine that you're you 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 create an object. If you buy if you know, if you look actually at the average garment that you purchase, it usually has a tag in it that describes all this other information that you know you don't pay attention to. You may not even know it's there. It has the size. Maybe you did pay attention to that. <laughs> but it has the washing instructions. It has the description of the contents of the of the um, the garment. You know what what fabric it was made from. It may have the country that it was made in. It may have the brand name and a whole bunch of other things that I I personally never pay any attention to. So I would say that those are implicit tags. They exist, but you don't really use them. So in the same way that you have a garment with tags that are implicit or hidden away or invisible to you, it's the same way that you create time demands that have implicit tags as well. What do I mean by that? Well, if I'm committing to go pick up the milk on the way home from work, the minute I make that commitment, there's a world that arises with that promise. And it happens very quickly and very instantaneously, especially if I've done the task before. So there's duration, um, how much energy is required to get the task done. The duration is how long it takes to get the task done. It may need a budget to complete the task. It requires a physical location, so I have to be at the store in order to complete the task. It may have a a, a, a schedule. You know, I, I need to get there before eight o'clock when the store closes. So these implicit tags arise at the moment I make the commitment. Now I may not consciously go through and say, okay, what are the implicit tags for my picking up this bread on the way home? Or milk, whatever. So I don't think that way, but they're all already automatically there. Okay. Explicit tags are the ones that I yank out of the subconscious, the ones that are hidden away, and decide to use them. So if I write down the the equipment that I need to get the task done on a piece of paper beside the task, I'm making it explicit, right? If I go into my task management software and when I write down, pick up the milk, I say pick up the milk between 6 and 7 p.m., I'm making that tag explicit. Right? No, it no, is attached to and goes with that particular time demand. And it's somewhere in my digital, these are all digital objects in my world, but that's the way I'm managing it, managing them. So these explicit tags are like handles. So a handle is something you use to manipulate a larger object. So here's a nice example. And if you're listening to this, I'm holding up my smartphone. It has one of those doodads on the back that you use to hold a phone, you know, one of those things that you stick onto the back of your phone because it allows you to hold onto the phone with two fingers, for example. It allows you to, you know, do different things. It's a kind of a handle that you stick onto the back and it allows you to manipulate the phone. It gives you kind of a better place to grip. 
I think the cover of the phone also helps you to helps you to get a better grip on the phone than if the phone doesn't have a cover on it. It's just a, the, the slippery phone that you buy from buy from the store. So call these handles. Those are handles, right? Those are 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 in the case of the phone, physical hmm, affordances, physical accommodations that help you to better use the phone. So a tag for a task or a, ta a time demand is a handle that gives you a better way of managing that time demand. So for example, the duration helps you to better manage that time demand. GTD introduced the idea of contexts, where a context, for example, could be at computer. So that would help you to manage that task better. So making that tag explicit helped you to manage that task better or that time demand with more skill. Okay, so there's a, like an infinite number of, maybe an infinite number of implicit tags that get created. It's like a miracle when you create a time demand. However, the recommendation I have is that you use the minimum number of time demands or rather you make explicit a minimum number of time demands that you don't pull all of the implicit ones and make them explicit well why is that well it's it, part of it is an efficiency play because you want to use the minimum number possible because that helps you to manipulate it with greater skill. So I believe there's a Pareto effect that the first effective tag that you use hopefully should give you 80% of the leverage that you have over that time demand. And because tags require energy, every time you add a tag, it adds a level of complexity. So you see people have these real tricky conversations about what context should I use if I'm not going to use the ones in the original GTD book. And I believe they're asking the wrong question. The question is, what's the minimum, the one or two, or maybe even three, the minimum tags I need to use to manage my time demands? So that's not a question for an 11-year-old who only has one or two ta time demands per night. It's a more advanced question. But it's one that we're going to be getting into even more as we move the conversation along just a little bit. So unfortunately, if you don't, if you decide to delete your task management software, and get rid of all, all of the paper that you've been writing your tasks on. That doesn't help. Because if you're someone who has enough time demands, enough promises to yourself that they require these tools, then getting rid of the tools will only drive you crazy. Because now you'll be feeling overwhelmed 
by trying to use your mind to manage more time demands than a mind can manage or than your mind can manage. So the problem doesn't lie in the tool. The problem, this is a problem between your ears, you know, your, your ears, your temple, your ears. This is a problem that of you creating promises to yourself and then running up, coming up against the barriers, psychological, digital, and physical barriers that make it hard for you to keep the promises that you made to yourself. Because the combination of those three create limitations. They limit what you can do as a human being. Your humanity, in other words, is in the way. And as I mentioned before, your humanity will always be in the way if you're even a little type A. If you're a little bit interested in ambitious, ambitious accomplishment, if you're a little bit driven, if you like to commit to big things, what will happen eventually is that the number of ta time demands you're trying to manage will hit the limit of the system you have set up, the system of psychological, digital, and physical objects that you have created. In other words, you'll keep creating more promises to yourself until you hit a ceiling. Once you go past that ceiling, then the problems that I mentioned before of overwhelm, of losing track of tasks, of being late, of all of the things that you don't want will start to manifest. And this is just human nature. So to accommodate human nature, you need to find a way to grow your capacity faster than your ambitions. So that the ceiling is always a little bit beyond your capabilities. And you know, if you're a lot type A, then you're really impatient as well. Okay, that's a whole different story, but the dynamic is still the same. To have the ceiling, your capacity float just above your current um, commitment level. So that as the one goes up, the other goes up as well. No, that's not easy to do. The, the, the combination of physical, digital, and psychological objects that you have to assemble to keep this trick going is considerable. And in today's world, with the knowledge that we have, the apps that are available to us, and the thinking that we're able to do in the area of task management probably means that you will live near that ceiling for maybe the rest of your career. So I don't really have like great news for this about this. <laughs> but the limit will assert itself. No. So I mentioned before that there's a few switches that you could make. Let's call them three switches. The first switch I talked about was going from making mental promises to putting them on paper. Okay, that was the first switch. The second switch I talked about was to go from putting them on paper to using a digital task list. And then the third switch I talked about is using a digital task list to using a tagged and sorted task list. So that's kind of a GTD kind of a solution, for example. The fourth is one that you don't have much choice about. The fourth is a limit on, again, the combination of physical, digital, and 
psychological um, objects, the ones that you have at available at your disposal to manipulate. But the one that kicks in is a psychological object of time, 168 hours per week. As you add more tasks, the limit will eventually be time, 168 hours. Because there's just no way to add more tasks without that particular limit becoming the one that forces you to change your behavior. So what happens is that when time becomes the behavior, people go from using a sorted list of tasks, like the one suggested by GTD, to time blocking. That's the next switch to make. The fourth. So when you make the switch to time blocking, you're now acknowledging that the new limit is that of time. The tags that are most important are the ones which are temporal, like duration and due dates and how your tasks are arranged in your calendar relative to the other tasks. But time becomes your primary, primary limit and your primary concern. Before, the other three levels, there were different concerns. But eventually, time asserts itself. And with the knowledge that we have today, we know that time blocking is an improvement over not using time blocking. And there's lots of research that shows that. They just don't tell you why. It hasn't quite been accepted and figured out. So I'm sharing with you theories that are not widely accepted. And you probably won't read them anywhere other than in the work that... I'm doing also I would love to wish that that's not the case but I and if you def, if you see ideas analogous to what I'm saying please tell me because at the moment I'm not able to find them anywhere but time blocking is an improvement over sorted lists a la GTD or any other method of sorting lists by energy um by any of the other things, by, by budget, by any of the others, that by priority, by importance, by urgency, time, time becomes the most important. And when you make the transition to time tagging, you're either going to do it manually or with the help of an auto-scheduler. So there are apps that are built to allow you to make an even bigger jump or a further jump from doing just mere manual time blocking to using AI auto-scheduled time blocking. And that allows you to move up to another level of capacity, which allows you to realize more of your ambitions. So the topic of this podcast was had something to do with not being able to avoid context, right? So the only way you can avoid the use of context or, in other words, avoid the use of tags, is to retire to a life of fewer tasks. Or it's to keep your life relatively stable in terms of the number of tasks you're willing to manage. But, given the limitations I've mentioned of the 168 hours, if you're someone who is steadily trying to improve or get better or trying to take away the errors that come from greater task management greater volume of task management tags can't be avoided 
matter of fact, if you go all the way back to the idea that um, the best the best approach is is uh, from a GTD point of view at the, the third switch is to switch from a unsorted list of tasks to a sorted list of tasks. That's the point at which tags become important. So it, in a way, what I'm saying is that GTD got that part right, but had nothing to say about the next part, which has to do with time blocking and eventually using an auto schedule scheduler. David Allen has is now saying things about that because he's moved on from he's evolved from what he said in his book. And I have a, a if if you if you want evidence of that, I have a, a article on my website, a schedule which I'll drop in the show notes, where you can see, okay, it, it's actually called how David Allen has changed his thinking about time blocking or it's something like that but anyway i tracked i track his his public things he said not written in his books but things he said that shows that his thinking has changed so he's changed and i'm inviting you to consider that you must use tags but the tags that you you use or choose to use must evolve if you hope to scale your task management to higher volumes. And in this way, this is not personal. You know, people people talk a lot about how, oh, you need to use what works for you. The bad news I have here is that this is no longer about you. You know, in a Formula One racing, you 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 can't design a car that has an electric motor, even if it were could be faster some way. You're limited. Because the Formula One Association gives you limits to design your car. And they're very tight limits. And you can't surpass those limits different ways because then you'd be disqualified. Well, I'm suggesting that there are limits. They're not given by any organization. But in, instead, they're dictated by our humanity. And what we can do as human beings. There are limits. Psychological, digital, and physical limits. And the only way to, to reach, you might say, that promised land where we're accomplishing more or we're experiencing fewer, fewer defects, fewer errors, is to respect those limits. They're not personal. Accepting them because they're a part of our humanity. And then devising task management approaches that take them into account and that don't try to actually get past them or ignore them or pretend like they don't exist. So practically what this means is you can design a path for yourself. The four switch, I think I mentioned five switches, the five switches that you can make. And wherever you are now, set your eye on the next switch. And maybe that's the next step in your evolution as someone who wants to be productive. So thanks a lot for joining. There are some more, more uh, recommendations and some links that I'll have for you in the next couple of minute, minutes, plus a little preview of the next show. So keep listening. There's a little bit more to come. Here's a clip from our next episode with Laura Vanderkam. Yeah, well, it can be hard to spend time in a way that 
um, makes us enjoy our lives. I think, you know, productive, ambitious people, we get through our to-do lists, we do the things that we have to do, but turning our mind a little bit toward the things that we want to do, toward things that we might genuinely be looking forward to can be a little bit more challenging. And so, as you said, the default, people are like, well, I need a vacation, and maybe you do. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's not in the cards for one reason or another, whether there's, you know, travel restrictions because of COVID, or if money is tight, um, or whatever other reason, we can't necessarily just throw money at the problem or, you know, look at the entire universe of options, then we have to be a little bit more creative. And if you want to leave a comment about this episode or any aspect of the work that we're doing here at the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, you can go over to www.replytofrancis.info and send me either a message uh, by text or send me a voice message, a voice note. And as you probably know, we have a couple of places that you can interact with other people, talk about this episode. One is at the community, mightytaskers.scheduleu.org. And you'll see the link in the show notes. And the other, of course, is our upcoming Task Management and Time Blocking Summit coming up in March. Two outstanding opportunities to interact with other people about the ideas that you've heard on this podcast or any of your episodes that are coming up. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, I invite you to click on the Patreon link below to make a donation. And please don't forget to like our show and recommend it to others on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever past podcast, app, or service you're using. This is Francis Wade. I'm signing out. I hope to see you on a future episode. And until then, take care and all the best. See you later. Bye.